Welcome to the Choose You Now podcast. I'm your host, Juliana Hever. Colleen Patrick-Goudreau, affectionately known as the Joyful Vegan, is a recognized expert and thought leader on the culinary, social, ethical, and practical aspects of living compassionately and healthfully. A longtime animal advocate and vegan, she's the best-selling author of seven books, an acclaimed speaker and podcaster, as well as a regular contributor to National Public Radio. Colleen can be found online at joyfulvegan.com. Listen to how this smart and savvy rule breaker chooses herself in the most joyful of ways. Colleen Padre-Goudreau, it has been way too long and I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Juliana. It is so good to talk to you. You have been a beautiful advocate for veganism for how many years? 23. My goodness. Okay. So across all the platforms, before the platforms were platforms, Mm -hmm. writing books, speaking, social media, and you've undoubtedly inspired countless people. What inspired you towards what is clearly your ikigai, your purpose in this world? <laughs> you know, I think I just, so I was inspired to do this work because I was inspired to live as compassionately and healthfully as I could possibly live. And that was when I became vegan after having grown up eating animals and grown up eating everything that came out of an animal and not really realizing what I was contributing to and what I was consuming. And so when I made the shift and I talk about it as an awakening, because I really think it is about having been asleep and then waking up to what we've tried to avoid seeing and facing. uh, I really do think it is an awakening. When I experienced that, it was just a very natural desire to share that with others because I just felt that if others also kind of rubbed all the ignorance out of their eyes, right, just as I had, they would also feel the same way. And that has proven to be true. And so I just started you know, I kind of talk, we talk about vegangelizing, right? I mean, it's kind of what we do when we're excited about something that's new in our lives. We want to tell someone about a movie we're watching or a show we're watching or a book we're reading or a person we've met. And it's kind of the same thing. It's like, you need to hear this. This is so amazing. Oh my gosh, this is so amazing. And I kind of just did that very naturally. And I found that people were very interested. It wasn't just the joys I was sharing. <laughs> it wasn't just the the benefits I was sharing. It was the, we need to look at this that I was sharing. And so to step into that and actually say to people, I'm going to share this with you. I'm going to put this out there. And if you're inclined to look, I am going to be there for you on your journey to do that. And to find that people are willing to look and to step into that is pretty empowering and it's pretty inspiring. And so what inspired me? People who were willing to look and people who were willing to make a change. And the way I see my work is that I've been a conduit in that. And I think we all are. I think we're all conduits and each other's journeys. But that was what it was for me is being the conduit, seeing people's transformations and just wanting more of that because it's pretty incredible. 
Yes. So I've heard you describe that the mission of your work is to quote, I think I'm quoting you right, Mm -hmm. empower people to make empowered food choices, to debunk myths around veganism. I always call myself a nutrition myth debunker because there's so many, Mm -hmm. Um, to be a voice for animals and to give people the tools and resources they need to live according to their own values of compassion and wellness. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate on how this has evolved for you? It, it has remained very consistent and I do that very intentionally because I have always, my mission has always been to, like I said, kind of, here's the information if you want it, great, I'm here and I'm, 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 you know, a, a channel, a vessel for you to, to take from. And so that mission, I mean, even though it's maybe evolved slightly over the years, it always has been to, and so if you hear the words to empower people, to make informed food choices, to debunk myths about veganism, to be a voice for animals and to give people the tools and resources they need. None of that says to make you vegan, to change your mind, <laughs> right? To change right. habits. None of that is that. It's I'm here. Here's the information. Here's, here's right. Do with it what you want. And I just have this faith and trust and knowledge and awareness and history and experience that people do want it. And there are people, not everybody. There's going to be people who don't. There's going to be people who never change. There's going to be people who never look in my direction. That's not who I'm obviously going to attract. But there are so many who want it. And so, and I'm, I'm very intentional in my words. I'm very intentional in how I frame this because I'm also saying, I'm not asking you to live according to my values. I'm not asking you to do what I do. I'm not asking you to do what I think is the best thing for me. I'm encouraging you and urging you to do what is the best thing for you. And when it's framed that way, people are definitely more inclined to sit up and take notice. If it's framed in a way that is saying, this is right. This is best. That is wrong. You need to do this. People aren't going to, people are going to get defensive. So I do this, this way, not only because it's authentic for me, but because it works. And because I know a bit of, you know, basic human psychology to know that that is going to, to work more than telling people what to do. Yes. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's exactly, especially in the vegan movement, right? We have a similar perspective of this. There's so much guilt and shame and this perfectionistic pressure, right? Surrounding being vegan or any of that. And, um, and you like to emphasize also that it's about doing your best. And do you, you know, we are human after all. Do you see this as a barrier for people coming to you or what, what are some ways that you recommend people manage this? Oh God, it is totally a barrier. So I'm convinced, again, just basic human psychology, this isn't just about veganism. Basic human psychology is if people think they have to do everything, they tend to do nothing because it's overwhelming to contemplate doing something that is so different from what you have grown up with, especially the way we eat. And so I like I just know that is the case. And so when people have said to me over the years things like, well, I could give up I could give up pork, but I could never give up cheese. And it's usually cheese, right? You know, you know that everybody listening knows that I could give up beef, but I couldn't give up cheese. I could, you know, I could give up, I could give up eggs and chicken, but I, I don't know. I could never give up cheese. And I say, well, what are you eating now? And they're like, well, everything. And I'm like, well, why don't you give up what you said you could give up except for cheese? Like, what about that? And they go, wait, what? I, 
I can do that. And you're saying that I can do that. Like you're giving me permission. I'm like, well, what, why would you do nothing at all? Because you think you have to do everything. Right. And so that has been my concept for decades, which is don't do nothing because you can't do everything, do something, anything. Now, there might be people hearing that and saying, oh, you're just giving people permission to keep doing things that are bad for them, right? And I'm like, well, no, I'm A, meeting people where they're at, and B, giving them permission to give themselves permission to say, well, I'm going to at least do something, right? And the irony of this, and I know there's probably, you know, vegans who think that I'm, you know, advocating the consumption of animal. No, I'm not. I'm meeting people where they're at. And what I find is that ironically, when you give, when you say to people, well, don't do nothing because you can't do everything, they go, yeah, I could probably do more than I'm doing, right? Because like they kind of ask themselves, like, am I really doing everything I could do? And that's the stuff I love is that I have faith that people, when they're given flexibility, when they're given wiggle room, they actually like go higher. They actually rise to the next highest place. You know, everybody, no, but generally speaking, that's what I find. But you you have to give them that opportunity to wiggle. If you just put them in a rigid box and 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 create rules and say, you can't do that and you can't do that and you can't do that, you can't do that, they're going to say, well, I don't want to do it. Like, it doesn't sound like fun, first of all. And I don't think I can do it. And that's why I think it's not just a barrier, but I think it's also why people, quote unquote, fail in the sense that they try and they fail because they try to do everything perfectly all at once and then just give up. And I'm here to say, and I know you're here to say is just, that's not what it's about. It's not, it is not about being perfect. It's about doing the best we can because newsflash, it's not a perfect world. And as you said, we're humans, which means by virtue of that, we are imperfect. So by virtue of being imperfect humans, we will be imperfect vegans, but we also just have to be honest with ourselves. Like, I don't mean like be an imperfect vegan, like he, 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 I'm vegan. I'm not eating animal products. And if, if you know, but when someone's not looking, I'm going to go eat that. Right? I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, authentically coming from a place of, your values, whether they're values, whether they are the values we have of compassion, of wellness, all the, all the values at the same time, being honest with ourselves and reflecting those values in our behavior. And there really is no such thing. There is no vegan police. There's no one watching you. There is no right or wrong, good or bad. At the end of the day, you're sleeping. You have to go to bed at night and like, what is authentic for you? And I, I think that people just feel this like pressure. And I think it might be one of the biggest barriers to increasing the vegan movement is all of that pressure. And uh, I, I don't know where it comes from or why they're, why it's so insidious and, and pervasive. Yeah, I think it comes from a lot of places. And I think it's not just external. I think it's internal too. There, you know, there's no vegan police. Well, there is the vegan police, but you know, they're not going to come knocking on your door. They're just opinionated and they're going to have their own, you know, they're just going <laughs> to, they're just going to say what they have to say. And that's, that's the reality. So there are people who have self-appointed themselves as vegan police, but they're not coming for you. So don't worry about it. Okay. What I think is is more insidious, as you said, is the is what we do in our own minds and and the expectations we have of ourselves. And I think some of that is look. I mean, you know, when people consider changing their diet and how they eat, I mean, there's so much going on. There's there's these habits that we have had ingrained in us. There's personal habits. There's family habits. There's cultural habits, and those things, you know, are pretty precious in most people's lives. And when you 
turn that upside down and you say to your family or to your, you know, to your culture, to yourself, that I'm not going to do these things that were once sources of joy and, and community in my life, it can really rock the boat. And so, you know, we're social creatures and I think we don't want to rock the boat. We want to still be aligned with the people we love and the people who care about us. And we want to still have a social life. And so I think that's a big part of it. And so what I try to help people do in the social aspects is navigate that and and, and help them find ways to say, you don't have to give up your family and your friends and your social life. Here's here's how to navigate that. Um, but but also you need to find a place where you're standing up for what you believe in and and actually taking a risk that some people might say, well, I don't want to have anything to do with that. And like that, that might happen. The other part that I think um, is internal is the stuff we do. I mean, it's external as well, but it's the stuff we do around what we expect. I mean, some of it, I think, has been the messaging in in the whole spectrum of 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 the wellness world, the diet world, even the vegan world and the plant-based world. And that is if you go vegan, if you become plant-based or whatever it is, if you stop eating animal products, you will and then dot dot dot. And there are these promises after that dot 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 that I think are I think not only unrealistic, I think dangerous. And I think it's another reason why people stop and become their own worst enemy is because if they don't reach that goal, if they still get a cold, if they still get sick, if they still get, you know, a heart disease or whatever, right, then they think they've failed. And then they look at veganism, plant-based eating as, as, you know, not as the promised land that it, that it was, you know, that it was promised. And I think that's dangerous too. So in terms of expectations, I think we have to keep them in check. It's the same thing with weight, right? You know, there's just so much around like, perfect bodies and, and being thin and, and losing weight and all of this. And so people feel the pressure. And if they don't lose this weight, cause you hear vegan advocates saying like, listen, you go vegan, you never get sick again, you get your thin, you, you know, you, you, you know, you, you, you basically, they make it sound like you, you you stop being human. Oh my gosh. Wait. Okay. Yes. Can I ask you something personal, Colleen? Like this is, we've both been doing this for so long and we're both in the spotlight and there's a lot of pressure like in the social media, like the comments and the, that what you just said. So how do you feel about all that? I mean, oh, I think it's dangerous. I yeah. think it's dangerous to make it seem like being vegan is some kind of panacea. It's why I have made quite an effort to to talk about, no, like you're still going to get sick and you are still going to, you know, I mean, I've literally heard vegans say, no, 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 you're vegan. You don't get sick. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm still human. You don't stop being human. I think you become the best version of you as your human self. I think you become the best version of you when you align your behavior with your values. That's kind of the best thing we can do, but perfect and, and superhuman. Uh, no, right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Wait, so. But also like, how do you feel about having to be the represent representative? Like, like you're the, you are what veganism looks like. And like, do you feel any added pressure because of that? Well, yeah, I don't feel the pressure. I know people will I know people will put that onto people like us, but that's not mine. So I'm very clear about that in the sense of how I show up. And if people are going to 
put that on me. That's that's not mine. I don't ever show up in such a way that I'm trying to represent being vegan as being perfect. And so I don't tend to get a lot of that. I don't. I just don't tend to get a lot of that. I, I there was a time. I mean, I've heard. I, there, there was a time, and it's why I talk about like, yeah, you know, this is what vegan looks like, and that's what vegan looks like, and that's what vegan looks like, and that's what vegan looks like. We're as diverse as the general population. So if anybody ever said, oh, you know, you're so X, is it because you're vegan? I'm like, no, it's because I'm, you know, I'm like, me, <laughs> I'm me, right? All the things that make me, and right. so, you know. Maybe I just don't pay attention. Maybe I'm not seeing it. Maybe it's out there, but it doesn't matter. It's going to happen anyway. People people put their people project their own desires and expectations onto everybody all the time. Period. Full stop. If it happens to me in this context, it's going to happen. But I show up as this is just me, and and here's how here's what I want to say about how you can be the best version of of you, not how you can be, how you can be like me, but how you can be the best version of you. And I think that's the messaging that at least that I think, well, first of all, it's authentic for me, but I think that's what people have appreciated about my work all these years. And that's just always going to be the case. And so I'm just going to keep doing that. And scene. I love that. (laughs) Well said, Colleen. Thank you. So speaking of that, like, how would you feel? I mean, so much has changed, especially in the last five, 10 years. What is your perspective on this evolution of plant-based? I guess plant-based has become such a hot term um, in the world. How do you feel about all that? It's so interesting because, you know, my work started as, first of all, advocating and raising awareness and tabling and, you know, you know, basically, you know, handing out literature and showing videos and like, so it's always been outreach and education and it will always be that. And the first thing I started doing in terms of really giving people the tools was cooking. And so I started teaching cooking classes back in 1999 and in person, and I'm still doing them online now. So people can sign up for virtual classes with me and they're super fun and people join from all over the world. And it's a lot less work than, you know, (laughs) lugging everything uh, to an external kitchen. So it's nice to be able to do it online. But but food was always the first thing I started with. And so uh, so I've always been teaching people how to just cook basic, delicious, good food, food that's, you know, aligned with their culture or the, or the way they eat or whatever. But I've always focused on just good basic foods, you know, fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds and beans and mushrooms and grains and herbs and spices. And I would always tell people about the different products out there. There have always been, you know, plant-based products out there, but the way I cook and the way I teach tends to be like, listen, this isn't about being some kind of, again, perfect. This isn't about some kind of diet. It's not even a diet. It's not even a particular way to eat. It is just showing all of the options on this spectrum called plant-based eating because there's a million ways to eat on this spectrum of plant-based eating. But I do, t- you know, my message has always been, you know, vegan food isn't a separate food group. It's fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds and beans and grains and herbs and spices. It's not a separate food group. But I do encourage you to make that the foundation of your diet is the whole foods. Again, not in any kind of perfect, pure way, but just make it make that the foundation. That's where you're going to get all the nutrients, you're going to get the color, you're going to get all of the flavor, et cetera. So there's always been you know, as long as I've been vegan and doing this and centuries before me, there has always been alternatives to animal products and they're called plant foods. Right? So 
So that's exciting. And yet, as much as we know this, and as much as you teach that, and you've done it in your books and in your work and your cookbooks, as much as we know that, the bottom line is people still want meat and they still want cheese and they still want dairy. They still want animal based products. Or I should, you know, I would say what they want is the familiar flavors, textures, um, you know, the look of the things that they grew up with, which is you know, animal-based meat, dairy, and eggs. And so as much as I have been teaching how to make, you know, whole foods with just, you know, and I always will, I am also aware that people are seeking out the things that were familiar to them growing up. And that is these, these, these products. And so here we are now. And I think the biggest change that has happened has been not just the, uh, you know, the, the, prevalence of all of these, uh, you know, vegan, plant-based, non-dairy, non-meat, you know, non-animal meat products on the market, but the, but the prevalence of really good ones. And, and that's the big difference between when I first became vegan and now really good quality, um, again, meats, uh, plant-based meats and, and, and dairy and cheeses. That's super exciting. I am always going to teach how to enjoy and eat and cook vegetables, but I am thrilled that these products exist because it is showing and proving that people will order them. It's not the vegans who are ordering them. It's the non-vegans who are ordering them and buying them in stores and buying them in restaurants, ordering them in restaurants. And, and that can, it's a stepping stone for people. It's when they realize, oh my gosh, I don't need animal products or animal fat to be satisfied or for it to taste good. It's a wonderful thing. And they will continue making those choices. And then you and I will keep doing our work saying, come over here. Let me show you. That's fantastic. Let me show you how to make some more wholesome, you know, uh, foods as well. But I'm thrilled those products are out there. I think that's the biggest shift between when I first became vegan and now. Yes. Yeah. Well stated. I love that. It's familiarity is so important. It's so deep seated in our humanity is what we eat and what we're used to and what's comforting and what we are, we're, we're close and comfortable, comfortable with. So mm. that's a really good way to, to put that together. I have so many questions for you and we have so little time. So I'm trying to pick which ones I want to ask first. Um, mm. uh, what would you say that your top tips are that when people come to you and say, okay, I want to go in this direction, what, what would you say? Mm. I would say start with where you're at. So if there are foods that you are, so first of all, list all the foods that you love and that will be animal-based foods. So just list those so that you can say, okay, which ones can I, uh, you know, some of them might not be. So you might be like, oh, I'm already eating some, some, you know, some plant-based meals. Great. Note that. Number two, note which ones can be easily veganized, right? So if you love, you know, uh, pasta with meat sauce, go get some of that, that wonderful products out there that's ground meat meat that's plant-based or, you know, use beans or tofu or mushrooms or whatever to create that, the texture and then learn a couple new recipes, right? So just kind of start where you're at. You don't have to redo and undo everything, you know, and everything you love start with what you know and love. I do think a lot of what makes people successful and I'll say successful, meaning consistency and longevity is to also know your why and to really be clear about why this means something to you so that you remember that, you know, your grandfather or your father or your mother died of heart disease and that your cholesterol is high and you don't want to leave your kids behind uh, the way that your mother left you because she had heart disease. Remember that. Remember if it's for the animals, that first image you saw of animals in a slaughterhouse and that's why you were compelled to stop eating animal products. Remember that. Keep that vision in your head. And those are the kinds of things that when you really feel 
feel tempted or you feel pressured, uh, you're going to, you're going to say, no, this is important to me. And I'm going to, I'm going to stick with that. And then I would say, find some community, uh, definitely having like-minded community. Cause especially in the beginning, our family and friends are a bit, you know, as I said, a bit, uh, you know, a bit overwhelmed with your, with your change because they knew you doing one thing for so long and now you've changed and they don't know what to do. So continue to obviously, nurture those relationships. And I talk a lot about that in my work and how to do that, but also go find some like-minded people who, who you don't have to explain to why you're not eating animal products. Yes. Perfect. Love it. Um, you often share these really beautiful stories online about you and your husband and your relationship as always seemed like the storybook fairy tale. Can you talk a little bit quickly about your love story? <laughs> so cute. Oh, I love him. He's amazing. Oh, he's amazing. I, we, you know, he's just the most wonderful, open, patient, kind, intelligent, compassionate person I know. And we, uh, we just celebrated our 27 years together and, um, we're celebrating our 21st wedding anniversary this year. And we just renewed our vows, um, for our 20th, you know, we just put a lot of intention into our relationship and it has grown definitely over the years. And I think we just both really want the other to be the kind again, best versions of each other, right? I, not each other. I want him to be the best version of him. He wants me to be the best version of me. And we help each other do that. We laugh a lot. We have a lot in common. We met in a bookstore and we went to graduate school together for English literature. So we, we still share that together. We love to travel. Um, and he's just my, my rock and he's just been the biggest support. And I, I, I tell him every day. So it's, yeah, I'm really grateful for him. We, we work at it. I mean, work in the sense that we put a lot of intention behind our relationship, but you know, it's, uh, it's, it's mostly just a lot of fun and affection. It's hashtag relationship goals and it's very beautiful. And congratulations. <laughs> so how do you Colleen choose yourself? Uh, over, 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 over anyone else? <laughs> no, like, you know, the idea of like, take, how do you take care of you so that you can be this powerful, bright advocate in the world? Oh my gosh. Well, I have a lot of rituals. I mean, I really, I really am very attuned to what brings me joy and how I thrive. I mean, everything that I have in my life today, it is because I oriented myself toward living the life that I wanted to live. And that meant saying yes to some things and it meant saying no to other things. And I just was, have always been aware that I want to live as authentically as possible. I'm very aware that we have this very short life and I just want to do the best I can with it. And so some of these practices and rituals are um, journaling, uh, certain uh, philosophies that I adhere to. I'm a, I'm a practitioner of Stoicism and Taoism. Um, I read a lot of history to keep myself humble and to have a realistic perspective of the world we're in today. Um, and I write a lot of lists and I create a lot of goals for myself. And I just always make sure I'm doing what brings me joy in that that's all of those things. And as I said, reading, it's being in the place I live, in the place I love, it's being outside, it's hiking, it's being in the sun, it's being with my cats, it's being with my husband, it's entertaining friends, it's hosting. So there's just a lot of things that bring me joy. And, you know, 
they're, it's not just selfish as to why I, I love hosting parties. I love bringing other people joy, but that brings me joy too. So just really asking those questions all the time of, you know, what, what brings you joy? Um, it's something that I've always prioritized. It doesn't mean I don't get overwhelmed. It doesn't mean I don't get angry. It doesn't mean I don't get cranky, but I prioritize uh, remembering that this life is short and I want to just, I want to be the best person I can be and, and live it to the fullest. You are such a beautiful, inspiring light in this world. Colleen, thank you so much for being here. I can't wait to have you back. <laughs> you are, Juliana. Let's connect more. I'm just so grateful you're on this earth and doing what you're doing. Thank you for sharing it with everyone. So much deliciousness in that interview and so much wisdom. Keep it simple. Be true to you. There's always something you can do, and it always matters how you feel about it more than anything else. If you are inspired and enjoy the Choose You Now podcast, become a member of our Patreon page, patreon.com slash choose you now. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash choose you now. To have access to exclusive content like today with Colleen, you will learn what is always in her kitchen and some of her top tips for being successful in that kitchen. And please subscribe to the show, rate and review us on iTunes, and send us an email with your questions and comments at chooseyounowpodcast at gmail.com. For nutrition services and more information, visit me at plantbaseddietitian.com. I invite you to choose yourself now, and I'm signing off with lots of leafy green love.